Hello and welcome back to the Sports Credential Podcast. I'm your host, the editor of the Sports Credential, Stephen Boero. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. We have a fantastic one for you today. Our first ever guest here on the Sports Credential Podcast. We have the director of radio broadcasting at Vanderbilt University and the voice of Vandy Boys and Vandy Football, Andrew Allegretto. Uh, Andrew and I had a great conversation talking about Vandy Boys, talking about Vanderbilt football, talking about uh, the Vandy United initiative and everything in between that's going on at Vandy. It, feel, it feels like Vandy, there's always something going on in Vandy these last, this last year and a half. So we had a fantastic conversation. So I'm not going to bother going into too much stuff uh, for this intro. Go right into the interview and enjoy that. Um, but first off, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing and following. If you're not already, please subscribe to the Sports Credential Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And if you subscribe to us there, the Sports Credential Podcast, you don't have to go looking for us anywhere. It'll pop up on your feed every week when there's a new episode, usually Wednesday. It'll be right there waiting for you. So no need to look for it. No need to search for it and go through all that process. You subscribe, it's right there for you. And, and if you have the opportunity to share it or comment on it or give us a rating, please do because it'll help us uh, grow and help us get better and hopefully more people will listen so we can continue to give great content to those who care about the growing national sports community. And please be sure to follow the Sports Credential on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram because we will have you covered for everything and anything Nashville sports news, breaking news, feature stories, game recaps, uh, deep dives into teams, into situations. We've covered everything here. Uh, Titan State, uh, Titan Stadium, d- diving into Nashville SC, uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, you name it. We, we've been covering it. So please be sure to follow us on social media and you guys are going to be covered in everything and anything nashville sports so enough of me right now let's dive into this interview with andrew allegretta i'll talk to you guys once that interview's over hope you guys enjoy it hello and now i'd like to welcome uh, our first guest here at the sports credential podcast andrew allegretta he is the director of broadcast director of radio broadcasting at vanderbilt university and is the voice of vanderbilt baseball and football Andrew, thank you so much for joining me here as our first ever guest at the Sports Credential Podcast. Wow. Uh, happy to. Uh, by the way, very, very, and like, look, this is my world, but very, very cool series on some of the sports broadcasters in town. More specifically, like, you know, Kevin and Jeff Hem and Mike Keith and all that sort of stuff. That's very, very cool. Yeah, uh, we love the Nashville Voices series. Uh, trying to get back into that with this summer coming up and things kind of lightening up in the sports world here in nashville but uh yeah i've I've loved that series getting to talk to you getting to talk to jeff hem getting to talk to mike keith was really awesome and everyone's been really cool everyone all the broadcasters are fantastic in town and uh that that's i think nashville sometimes gets overlooked as a sports town uh and maybe not the teams but the personnel you look at some of the people even just since like 2000 the people that have been working in nashville sports both in the radio side both in the communication side there's just so many legendary people from like pete weber 
to to a Mike Keith, to everyone at Vanderbilt that's been kind of building up the program, people even at the colleges with Belmont, uh, TSU, you see people have been part of this kind of Nashville sports world for for decades, and it's awesome to get to cover that, and it's awesome to get people like you on here to finally get a guest on the podcast to talk about kind of Nashville sports and uh, specifically like to dive into some Vanderbilt baseball today. Yeah. But for first off, for people who are not familiar with your journey to Vanderbilt, tell us a little bit how you got to Vanderbilt and exactly what your position is as director of radio broadcasting. Uh, First off, if you're Pete Weber and Terry Crisp and you've got what amounts to a bar named after you inside Bridgestone, I think you've done fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, Those guys are those guys are the best. Um, So uh, very hyper brief synopsis um previously before coming to vanderbilt i was at tulane for a couple of seasons um basically the voice of the tulane green wave uh doing their football men's basketball and baseball games on the radio before that i spent eight years at virginia tech uh doing women's basketball games as well as baseball games on the radio plus a lot of that acc network extra stuff which is the equivalent of the sec network plus so for the better part of uh my time since graduating from syracuse in 2010 uh, I've been working in collegiate sports in some form of fashion, calling games. Uh, as far as my role specifically with director of broadcasting, radio broadcasting here at Vanderbilt, uh, yeah, you're talking about it. Um, calls the football games on the radio with Norman Jordan, calls the baseball games, um, sometimes with Kevin Ingram. Um, that's kind of just how we've split it up. Um, and I'll do the SEC Network Plus stuff uh, for men's and women's basketball here, plus a lot of like silly ancillary stuff that – um, you know, has to do with interviewing sponsors for radio broadcasts. Um, we've got a podcast that we try to talk to some Vanderbilt people and put that out periodically. We've got the Commodore Hour that airs every Monday night. So a lot of that kind of um, shoulder programming stuff as well. So that's kind of the um, as rapid fire as I can do it <laughs> synopsis of everything. So let's dive into, uh, I'd like to dive right into Vandy baseball uh, this season. Um Obviously, Vanderbilt baseball has kind of been the forefront sport of Vanderbilt for at least a decade. Um, obviously, basketball is getting back on track with Jerry Stackhouse's amazing season. And even Clark Lee, I mean, people, the record may have not showed it, but that football team was fantastic last year and they have a bright future. But Vandy baseball has always been in the forefront. Um, from last season going into this season, what were your expectations and what have you, how have they kind of grown or kind of depleted or how have you seen the season go from your view in the booth? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't know that I had any specific um, expectations. I think we knew coming into the season that the pitching staff should be pretty good. Um, How good? I don't know. Um, I think we knew that defense would be pretty good. How good? I don't know. Um, And I think we knew that the offense was going to need to evolve somehow because you lost basically your two best hitters from a runs production standpoint between Dominic Keegan and Spencer Jones. So the offense has been really good this season. I know we're coming off a couple of weeks that have been struggles. Um, You know, some of that, I think there's stuff worth delving into some of that's baseball. Um, But in terms of expectations, I don't know what I thought they were. I think the season has been very, very good for this team. I mean, we're sitting here talking on a Tuesday before we play MTSU and your second place SEC East 
if you at least win one game this weekend versus Arkansas, you guarantee yourself a top four spot at the SEC tournament, uh, which means you don't have to play on Tuesday. Um, you're sitting there in really good position, having a great season. Now, the caveat to that is I think most Vanderbilt fans know that the way Tim Corbin, not in totality, but first and foremost, is going to grade things out about how well can you play in May and June. So, you know, if for some reason we make a regional and get bounced, I don't think it means the season was a disaster. Uh, but I know from Coach Corbin's perspective, he's going to want to accelerate toward the finish line. So where that goes, I don't know. But we've positioned ourselves to be at least a, a, a regional host here at the Hawk. And then I think if we can play well versus Arkansas and then go down to Hoover, we can be a top eight national seed. And then after that, it's, man, it's all styles, it's all matchups, and it's all the quirks of baseball over the course of a regional or a super. Yeah, and like you said, these last couple weeks, uh, struggles against Alabama, very interesting situation down in Alabama on top of that, right before Vanderbilt went into Tuscaloosa. And then... Uh, very. Yeah. And then uh, this past weekend in uh, Gainesville, what did you see on the field that wasn't connecting, that was starting off that was that we saw in the beginning of the season in the middle of the season because we saw t uh vanderbilt bounce back against uh after a tough uh sweep against tennessee and knoxville what have you seen this past week that hasn't really been able to bounce back that you saw after that tennessee series well i would start with the fact that florida's really good yeah um not to take the cop out and i say this like delicately i think from a talent standpoint i think florida's the best team in the country Okay. Um, Don't disagree with you there. Vanderbilt's elite, but Florida's got some special, special people on that roster. Um, and it's a very, very deep and talented roster. They also played about as well as they've played throughout the course of the season. So I, I don't know how much um, we aided that versus them kind of having the puzzle pieces come together. Um, Florida, like most teams, is way better at home. Uh, and so is Arkansas for what it's worth. And they've got to come here. And so is Vanderbilt for the course of the season. There's there's kind of been some interesting road versus home splits in the conference this season. Uh, Coach Corbin sort of attributed that to um, just the fact that, man, these environments have gotten so tough with the way the facilities have been built up, the way that the energy around the games has grown over the years. Um, so I don't know if that's everything. Um you know, some of it is the fact that our pitching staff has gotten dinged up. Um, you know, if you're a team that has built its identity on pitching and defense, which this program has, and certainly this version of Vanderbilt has as well, you know, if if you take one or two of those key pieces out of the rotation, I don't care. You can take Paul Skeens and Ty Floyd or whoever um, out of the rotation for LSU. They're a different ball club. You could say that about everybody in the conference. Uh, so not necessarily trying to make excuses. I, I think I think they feel like they probably should have performed better at Florida. You know, the offense has to settle down. Um, I don't at all pretend to know the challenges of trying to hit a 98-mile-per-hour fastball with, with ride on it at the top of the zone. I can't do that. Um, but these guys are unsettled at the moment. Part of it is the the pitching staffs that we're going up against. I mean, you, you alluded to the fact that it was an interesting situation at Alabama 
And I don't mean to put thoughts into Luke Holman's head, but that's the guy that threw on Thursday night for Alabama versus us. Um, and he was the guy that was scratched before the LSU game that led allegedly to the bet being placed uh, with knowledge from Brad Bohannon, um, reportedly. Yes. Um, he pitched to me like he was mad that he's been in a newspaper article for a week. So we've, we've come up against a couple of interesting circumstances. Um, this this team offensively kind of has been um, um, streaky is not the right word, but it's 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 an offense that needs to land a couple of punches before it starts to spin its wheels. And, and we just have not been able to land a few punches. Um, and then the longer that you go without landing a punch, the tighter you grip a bat. So everybody kind of just needs to take a deep collective breath, which is hard to do when people are throwing hellacious stuff at you, uh, which is what you get when you go up against Florida and Arkansas and the rest of this league, uh, but trying to compartmentalize and just get back to the fact that you're all still pretty good hitters. They'll be fine. I want to touch on a point that you you brought up before about the facilities and kind of the environments getting so tough uh, for Vanderbilt baseball. And it seems everyone talks about SEC football and obviously SEC football is king and it's always going to be it's been king but man SEC baseball is a completely different animal that people who are not familiar with collegiate baseball don't know the traditions don't know you know how impactful they are to the school and how unbelievable these games are and these teams are I mean you look at the rankings all season the top teams have always been sec teams and it's been like that for a while what's it been like from your point of view with these last couple of years seeing sec baseball right up front and being able to spot these players and call these games well i would say this um at one point in time and this was a couple of years ago so the data is probably out of whack but you know of the college baseball programs that make money like they're all in the southeastern conference with the exception of like maybe a couple like you know, Florida State down at uh, the ACC level, they can pla- they can pack that place. Um, maybe Clemson out of the ACC. Um, those Pac-12 schools are very, very good. But, I, I you know, from a making money standpoint, you know, it, it's different in this league. Um, I mean, heck, we went to Arkansas last year and some dude was holding up a raccoon in the middle of a ball game because he he pulled it out of the seats or something. Um, you know, they're the tailgating at South Carolina is great. Um, we punched Mississippi State in the teeth 26 to 3, and those fans showed up the next day in droves. It's different, and I love it. Like, uh, as someone that covered ACC baseball for eight years and saw some good environments, like Florida State again is good, uh, Clemson is good. Um, NC State can be good. Uh, Virginia Tech throughout the years got better with a stadium renovation, but nothing even comes close to the environments, the intensity, the passion, the skill set of the SEC. Um, you know, I, I've, I've talked to some coaches that go from lower levels up to the SEC. You know, when they're down at the SEC, they're down at the lower levels. They're like, I can't believe that, you know, the 11th ranked team in the SEC made the NCAA tournament. And then they, they get to the SEC and they go, yeah. Of course, the 11th ranked team in the SEC made the NCAA tournament. Of course they did. Um, and I, I love it. I mean, as Coach Corbin says all of the time, that's why you play in this league. Uh, and and 
I don't want to speak for other schools, uh, but 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 certainly some of the schools in the SEC, I would think their fans um, show the intensity higher for baseball than even men's basketball at times. Uh, and that's not universally true, um, but but there are for sure some schools in the conference I would suspect where the passion races above men's basketball depending on the season. Like LSU comes to mind immediately. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I'm sure there's probably some others like Arkansas comes to mind immediately. And, and, and by the way, Arkansas men's basketball is, is huge. I mean, they was, they, did they win the final that they win it in 94? Like, or they made the so. final. Yeah. Cause well, I know, I know Jerry Stackhouse played up, uh, played against them in the, in the semifinal game. I just can't remember if they, they won it in 94, but I, I think they did. Uh, anyway, their basketball program's great. And their baseball fans are bloggers. Um, so it's it, to me, it's awesome. I love every bit of it. Yeah, I had a couple friends that went to Ole Miss, and the, the that basketball's, yeah. basketball's not really on their radar. And but baseball, he always said like football's religion and baseball's life. And I'm just like, okay, wow, um, just how insane those baseball fans. And like we saw last year in the tournament, uh, Ole Miss didn't have a great regular season, but they came up and they won it all. It's it's one of the most Interesting. I think it's the most fun baseball conference, and uh, there's a lot of great baseball programs out there, like, like out west, and we've seen Michigan and a couple other programs come out and play well, but consistently it feels like the SEC is always, you know, putting out some of the best products baseball. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Michigan. I, I told Coach Corbin this piece of trivia. Um, there have not been a ton of Major League Baseball Hall of Famers that have played college baseball in comparison to the totality of the hall yeah like 54 something like that oh wow and then, I didn't know that was happening. yeah it's it's fairly low um and the school that has produced the most is michigan with three um minnesota has two a handful of schools have two i think like columbia has two because um uh Roger Maris or Lou Gehrig went there, Luke, one of the two. Lou Gehrig did. He went to Columbia. I know that for All a fact. Right. There you go. So it that's kind of an interesting tidbit. Like the Southeastern yeah. Con. Now, some of them, some of the schools have lost a few of their Hall of Famers through the steroid era. Like, you know, uh, USC would have produced more, but Mark McGuire is not getting in. Yeah. That sort of stuff. Or Arizona State would have produced more, but Barry Bonds isn't getting in. Um so it's kind of that's kind of interesting, but for for sure there, and I think Vanderbilt fans are kind of like that too. We just have, I mean, it's a smaller school, so we have a, a smaller alumni base. But uh, the passion and the intensity are like the baseball is life, football is king, baseball is life. I don't, I don't think Vanderbilt's that far from that mentality. We just we're not going to have twenty thousand people be able to make the trek to Omaha because we just have a smaller alumni base. I would say in my experience uh, over the last couple of years, being in Nashville and going to games, I mean, some of the ticket prices for Vanderbilt baseball, you can't get into Vanderbilt baseball games sometimes. I know it's all, uh, it's all season tickets. It's my, it's my, it's um, we're like in the weeds here, but that's one of the, uh, that's one of the um, like push and pulls for us is we have such a passionate baseball fan base that we can sell the place out through season tickets which is good from a revenue generation standpoint, it makes it tricky from a, an accessibility standpoint. Uh, so, I I mean, I'm not the director of ticketing, nor would I have any idea of how to kind of split that. 
in terms of generating the most revenue while also making it accessible. That's a really, 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 really tricky thing to do. Uh, but it is it is a really interesting. Like the tickets for the Tennessee series last year were they were higher they, than the Final Four. They were higher. Right. I remember seeing that. And you know, obviously, there's an issue with like you know season tickets and people like scalping. I'm not going to get into that. But I think it just says you know how much people are baseball crazy. Even in Nashville, people are baseball crazy, even though there isn't the pro sports and there's all that debate and all that stuff about MLB team. But um, how much you know people care about baseball, both at Vanderbilt and Nashville, and also in the SEC, that people would pay a pretty penny to go see a collegiate baseball game. I love it. I love it too. It's fantastic. It's so right. much fun. And, you know, yeah. obviously the Vandy Whistler. So that's obviously a great – I know every time <laughs> I've gone to a Vandy baseball game, some people hate them, some people like them. I'm kind of like, it is what it is. I'm just going to accept the experience as it is. I'm not going to pick a side at all. Um, but Vanderbilt, I know from my experience, um, Vanderbilt maybe not having a huge fan base compared to other SEC schools. That going to baseball games, there is a community that rallies around the baseball team. There is a dedicated fan base. Um, like we saw this season with uh, RJ Shrek, kind of yeah. like the, uh, the you know, personality hey, that grew around those him. Those masks made it out to Columbia, Missouri, man. Well, That's I think amazing. Our, our fan base is just as passionate. It's, oh. just, it's just smaller by, by proximity of having a smaller alumni base. It's just oh, – and, and – you know, we talk about Vandy baseball having been around. It's 20 years. Um, so some of that built-in fan base that's lived through the quote-unquote glory days of men's basketball, you're still talking about 50 years of history with that versus 20. So we're still, you know, I, I provided that we continue to excel, we're still, I would still consider baseball kind of in the, in the growth period of its fan base. I, I mean, I hope so anyway. Um, again, it's 20 years worth of worth of history, not 50 or, you know, 100, whatever it is of success for some collegiate football programs or whatever. No, absolutely. And uh, Vanderbilt's always had, you know, at least in these last couple of years, from when I've been paying attention, I've been watching the players with certain personalities and certain, you know, favoritism around certain players the way the, the fans kind of attach so talk to me about kind of the rj shrek uh masks and his popularity growing i mean his stats are insane right now he's averaging uh 335 179 at bats uh it's got 54 rbis it's he's he's playing fantastic on base is 473 uh leading the team so obviously he's a good player but there is that kind of hype around him with the fans and the, the, the masks so talk to me about viewing kind of a growth that how should i say this viewing uh players getting hyped up and becoming fan favorites from your perspective as just a play-by-play guy i mean it's fun to watch again the fact that shrek mass would make the trip to pretty much wherever we've gone um throughout the course of the season is awesome um uh, i've talked to him a little bit about it uh, naturally, he's heard everything um, from his Duke days to his high school days to the Vanderbilt days. So I don't think you can really slip a uh, Shrek line past him that he hasn't heard before. Um, but he's cool with it. Like uh, he's, uh, I think, really supportive of the fan base that wants to embrace him as the new guy, which is awesome. 
Um, I've talked about it from a statistical standpoint. He fits in with any Corbin era hitter. Um, a couple of seasons that are obviously outliers would be JJ Bladé's 27 home runs. I think Pedro Alvarez had 22, uh, but kind of the number that a lot of the really good hitters um, hit was 15 home runs. Like Dansby Swanson had 15 home runs in a season. Uh, Xander Wheels done that before. Rhett Wiseman's done that before. Um, you know, Carter Young hit 16 in a season. Dom Keegan hit 15 in a season. RJ's at 13. I, I would hunch by the time the season's over, he picks up two more. Uh, he is statistically as good as any one of the Corbinera hitters, with the possible exception of J.J. Uh, Bladé's 2019 season um, and Pedro Alvarez and some of the the kind of the gaudy uh, either RBI or batting average numbers that a few guys put up. But, you know, he's, he's been really, really fun to watch. And it's it's been fun to see um, a graduate transfer impact a team like that because it's not something that typically has been done for Vanderbilt over the past couple of years. Um, and it was a perfect storm of a guy that fit in for any number of reasons. I've told this story a couple of times. Um, um, right before the COVID shutdown in 2022, Coach Corbin was out in Los Angeles, California, trying to recruit a commit to come to Vanderbilt instead of turning pro, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, who did ultimately go pro. But one of the things the family said is, the most competitive person that Pete had ever played with was RJ Shrek. They played on the same high school team together. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, that. So there's that. And of course, um, RJ played with Sam Laboki in high school. And of course, he came here in 2019 with Duke. So it's kind of like the stars aligned, uh, where Coach had heard a lot of things about RJ Shrek over the years and the right moment came together. Uh, so that's fantastic. But But to see someone step in, it's not like Vanderbilt has never gotten transfers. Javi Faz was a transfer. You can, you can, you can pluck out transfers. Um, but to have an offensive player step in like that right in the middle of the lineup, basically all season has been really, really fun to watch. And talk to me a little bit about the, uh, the, I feel like the Maldonado brothers have really kind of grown a little bit in like fan favorites. And it's been really fun to see them uh, kind of grow both as individual players but also kind of being like this really fun brother duo on the team. Yeah, that's another one of those, like, um, COVID was a miserable thing, but if you try to scrape the bottom of the barrel for silver linings, situations like that are it. Um, because of Nick's opportunity to come back again, uh, having gone through the COVID season, um, and then the coaching change at Clemson, um, from Monty Lee to Eric Backich opened the door for Chris Maldonado to decommit if he wanted to. Um, and he did. I mean, the stars aligned for those guys to play together. I think they um, I think they really appreciate it. Uh, it. It kind of always was a thing for that family that everybody needs to step out uh, and do their own thing. The oldest sister uh, played softball at Notre Dame. Uh, the second oldest sibling uh, Frank played baseball at Pittsburgh and then there's Nick and then there's Chris. So they all kind of, you know, forged their own path, but an opportunity like this was too good to pass up. And, and uh, Co uh, coach Corbin has so much respect for that family. Um, it, it's, it's, you see it with fathers and sons, I guess. Um, 
there's a handful of situations, you know, Jim Beheim was coaching his sons in college basketball there for a little bit. That's not unusual. Um, and brothers play together. So it's not, it's not the most unusual thing in the world, uh, but you definitely appreciate it when the moments come together because sometimes they don't like it's, it's entirely plausible that one sibling is capable of excelling at the sec level and one, one sibling's not. So the fact that both of them can, and the, and the opportunity came together to do it is, I mean, you just feel good for good people. So I'd like to transition into talking a little bit about, uh, the Vandy United campaign which has just been from my perspective just unbelievable to watch how the money the growth the construction just everything coming from it it's just it's almost like a a Vanderbilt renaissance really um what has that been like from your perspective both watching the construction and seeing the news and kind of being part of this new era for Vanderbilt uh it certainly was not the reason that I came to Vanderbilt um there's a lot of reasons that I came to Vanderbilt um, but having that as a backdrop is a huge selling point. And I think you probably don't get some people like Clark Lee to come to Vanderbilt without it. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I guess just because I've learned so much about the history of, um, moving the athletic department forward over several decades, um, and the feelings that people have had around it, which obviously there's a lot of bruises there, which I get and I understand very much so. Um, and it's been interesting to go through some of the uh, renovations and basically people don't think it's happening. And again, I get why that would be the immediate reaction. I very much get it. Uh, but what we've seen over the past handful of months now that we've literally turned the south end zone into rubble and you can see right through the football stadium these days i i kind of always thought that that would be a moment where people um start to understand what's going on and by the way just because we build a new football stadium or put up a new basketball practice facility or whatever it doesn't guarantee us anything it just means that we're in this fight um and we sure are. I mean, Candace Lee has done a remarkable job. And, you know, the fact that we're able to do this doesn't really happen without the green light from Chancellor Deermeyer. And, and I don't mean to, like, gush over people um, that are above the <laughs> employment structure from me, right? But I've been around college athletics enough um, to know that whatever you want to do like really big stuff typically doesn't happen unless you get the green light from the president or the chancellor or the board of trust or the board of visitors or whatever i mean it's the same thing with the titan stadium like you've got to go through some really significant people so on and so forth however you want to frame that um to get the green light on stuff um and there's business and leverage and the titans thing i get it but um, but yeah, whatever we're trying to do with the football stadium, the basketball stadium, renovating the football facilities, it doesn't happen without the green light of Chancellor Deermeyer. Um, and, and the fact that he's willing to give the green light when, as I understand it, a lot of chancellors in Vanderbilt's past were far less eager to do so. I mean, that's a pretty bold step for him and to have the right person with Candace and, 
I mean, it goes down. Like I, I, I kind of feel, I feel like there's a lot of people internally that are doing really good work that would kind of buck the external narrative about how much Vanderbilt cares about athletics. I mean, I recognize that I'm in it and I know these people and I see them day to day, but that's my feeling. Um, right down the list from, you know, Tommy McClellan, our deputy AD for external affairs, whether it's, um, goodness, Mark Carter, who directs our NCC. I mean, there, there's too many people to list off. I mean, we're not a perfect organization. Nobody is right. Like everybody has good days and bad days, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of people in this building on a day-to-day basis that, that are, are really well-intentioned and have also been given the green light by their superiors to step into new spaces or re-engage spaces that we should have been engaged with previously like that that's there's a lot of um kind of nonsense words in there but an example would be the commodore caravan that we've just got finished with like that's something that a lot of schools do and we don't always have to be like the most innovative person in the room Uh, sometimes we want to do it our way as well we should but um it is important for us to occupy spaces that we we should be occupying meaning that all of the times that we ask fans to come to us, we should go back out there and go to them whenever we can, whether that's Houston, Memphis, Atlanta, Chicago, whatever it happens to be, we should do those things. So I, I think there's a lot of people, again, internally that are working really, really hard um, to kind of buck the external narrative and do right by our fans and do right by our student athletes and our coaches. No, I completely agree. I mean, from my perspective, and not to take shots at anyone in the past or make any assumptions, but being a college football fan for many years and seeing like, wow, why does Vanderbilt like their sports never really doing anything? I mean, baseball is doing good. Men's basketball's had their moments. Women's basketball's had their moments, but football has never been able to get anything going. And I've always heard the terms that, oh, they're not committed to sports. They're not committed to sports, but under uh, Candace Lee, it just, and the chancellor, um, it really has seen it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it as someone, even as a non-media member, just being someone on the outside, seeing the commitment of athletics and, you know, how good, how much good it can do for the university. And it's been really, really fun to see, especially because it feels like in this Nashville sports world over these last couple of years, everyone's been getting a bite of something. The soccer team, the soccer fans have gotten their people, uh, Belmont, Brand new facility, uh, practice facility. There are ba- basketball programs that have been blowing up over the last decade or so. Um, the Preds are always on top. They they always have something new going on. They're hosting something. The Titans now with their stadium and hosting the draft. And it feels like everyone's been getting a bite of something, but Vanderbilt hasn't really had that moment yet. And it feels like this is their moment to say, hey, we're also Nashville. We also have Nashville sports teams hey, we also really care about it, and this is what we're doing, and everyone should start paying attention. And it really has seemed like the sports have been kind of following suit with the campaign. Um, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the football team. Sure. I mean, they, they looked really good last year in certain games, showing up against Florida, showing up against Kentucky, um, just being able to get those wins and kind of build off of that and kind of create that foundation for the program in the future. Uh, what was it like watching that team and picking up those wins when no one thought everyone thought they were going to 
finish dead last with one win again or something like that being able to see them picking up those those really fun and you know competent wins i think the the line to start the season was like two and a half wins right yeah something I think like so. that it might it might have been one and a half i don't know um it certainly wasn't three and a half um you know i'm thrilled for the work that clark has put in uh to be able to get the moment versus kentucky uh to get the moment versus florida uh to get to five wins um you know it, it's interesting watching it um you know, first off, just the moment versus Kentucky, I know meant a lot to them because they had done so much hard work. You could feel it um, on a daily basis at the practice and you could kind of see all of that hard work come out in one moment versus Kentucky. You could see it on their faces after the game. Like, you know, sometimes we chuckle about teams looking like they've won the Super Bowl in relatively insignificant moments, but that meant a lot to them. I mean, it's it's a lot to carry the weight of a was it 26, 27 game SEC losing streak, something like yeah. that. Um, it's a lot to carry that and, and to get that off of their shoulders was really important. The next piece of it that's really interesting to me is is the way Clark thinks is a little bit like the way Coach Corbin thinks. Um, I, I think he is respectful of what five and seven means to Vanderbilt football. But to your point, the thing that has been missing for Vanderbilt is sustained success however you want to define that whether that's bowl games whether that's who knows right 10 win seasons or whatever um he's going to define everything about reaching really high levels so he's respectful for the fact that five and seven is a significant step up the ladder um but he's not ducked the intention of going to a bowl game this year and that's I mean, I don't know that he would ever say this, but to an extent, that's brave. Um, because if you don't, you have given critics ammunition. Uh, but I don't think he's afraid of that, which is awesome. And I think Vanderbilt football is a program that needs someone to be explicit with its goals. Uh, because the assumption is as we talk about external narratives versus internal narratives, the assumption is there are no goals, which is not true. Um, there is very clearly a goal for this program to reach high levels, however you want to define that. So I, 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 I'm so intrigued and captivated and um, I'm not sure if like in awe is the right word or just feeling um I don't know. Like I I'm impressed with, and I'm glad that Clark is willing to speak those specific goals into existence because this program needs people to identify themselves from the top to the bottom as winners effectively. Right. Like it's, it's hard to not, and I'm not again, taking a shot at anybody or anything. It's just, there was, there was a lot of years of struggle and there's been, and that's not just like, the end of the Derek Mason era. Like you can go back decades or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's, you put on the Vanderbilt Jersey and you shouldn't feel like the little engine that could, like you should put on the Vanderbilt Jersey and, and feel uh, like a team that can step into a stadium versus just about anybody and walk out that day victorious. Um, you've got to play with ego and confidence to have any success. Otherwise you got no chance. You're going to get bowled over. Um, so the fact that Clark is instilling that in them 
is a really, really important piece of all of this. Like, you know, we could sit here and talk about recruiting rankings and whatever. Uh, some of laying the foundation is psychological. And um, I, I think Clark has has done wonders for basically ripping out the studs and saying, like, going to Vanderbilt isn't a dirty word in college football. It's you're playing in the SEC, men. You're playing in the SEC. Uh, own that. Wear that. Uh, you have the ability on any given Saturday to beat Kentucky, Florida, if you play to your abilities. Now, they have to continue, obviously, to develop talent on the roster. No one's, like, naive about that. Um, but it, you, you, still can't, you still can't start it up if you don't have the belief that you already are a team that is worth competing in this league. And, and Clark very much believes that. that. Again, that's a lot of words. Um, I feel like I'm talking like Clark, which, you know very long answers uh very legalese uh me he's running off (laughs) i know that's a good thing it's it's funny i I know enough i know enough announcers that like you talk to them and you start to go like man you sound like your head coach um but yeah i I just i i i think clark is doing a good job of both understanding that they obviously have to elevate the talent but they also have to own the fact that accepting mediocre is not good enough because if you just accept mediocre, you know, you're going to get mediocre or you'll get less than mediocre. So I, I, I appreciate the way that he's like, I'm glad we went five and seven, but five and seven is not the goal. Ultimately. What are you most excited for this season? I know we have a lot to go through. You still have a uh, baseball season to finish and the softball season to finish, but uh, the spring game just finished, right? A couple weeks ago, or la- uh, it was uh, it was when we played Missouri, so it was like about a sh- it was like a shade under a month ago. Okay, and we're we're just three months. It feels like it's crazy, but we're like about almost three months away. About three months, a little over three months away from the season I mean, starting. I mean, SEC Media Days is about two one two two months from today. Yeah, which will put the season uh, three and a half months away, I guess. Yeah, uh, we we open up week zero versus Hawaii. I, you know, again, like I don't, I don't necessarily know. Um, I, I think there's coming out of spring ball. The one thing that I heard the most is like the clear elevation of talent uh, on the roster, which isn't just, um, which isn't just uh, like one or two players. It's like in totality, the depth has clearly steady, steady, steady incline. So I'm curious to see that. Um, I uh, I hear there's some you know Cedric Alexander impressed a running back for us uh, during the spring. I think there's a good chance some of our wide receivers will have elevated seasons. Like Quincy Skinner was someone that I think they thought could make some noise last year, but dealt with some injuries that slowed him down. Jaden McGowan obviously had a very notable freshman campaign. I think he picked up SEC Player of the Week one week. Yeah, um, freshman of the week I should say. Um, you know, and there's obviously AJ Swan too in the quarterback room. I just, I, I think we're going to just see a higher uh, brand of athletic football for Vanderbilt this year. I have no earthly idea what that translates to and wins. I would love to get through the first six games and be bowl eligible. That would be really, really fun. I don't know that they're going to do that. That would require, I think, beating Missouri and Kentucky off the bat. Um, but I, I'd love to, I'd love to go, you know, four and two or, um, five and one through that stretch and give yourself a puncher's chance down the stretch to qualify for a bowl game. Now, if there's one game on the Vanderbilt schedule, I don't have it right in front of me at the moment, but if there's one game that you know of either at home or away that you think Vanderbilt fans 
should have marked on their own calendar or be sure to tune into or to attend, which game do you think it should be? Anybody want to go to Vegas with us? I would love to go to Vegas. I think that would be so much fun. I, I mean, I from a from a intrigue standpoint, I think going out to Vegas and that's they, that is that Allegiant? I think is that Allegiant Stadium. Yes. Or, okay. Uh, yeah, that would be good. Um, I, 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 I think I really do think trying to get out of non-conference play four and zero is going to be significant. I don't know that it's going to be any easy at all. Um, because I think we have. Are we on the road? Do we go to Wake Forest? Where do we? We got. I think we got two home against Hawaii, home against Alabama A and M. Uh, let's see how quickly I can get there. Uh, at Wake Forest, at UNLV. It's gonna be real tough. Uh, UNLV has had some coaching changes. I'd like to think that we could get out to UNLV and and perform well. Wake Forest is gonna be doing it with a new quarterback, but you know that was a. That was a really good team last year. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So if we, I mean, I, boy, I think if we can get through non-conference play at 4-0, I think we got a real chance to try to grab some wins. Um, you know, the, the, I, I think you start the season with only a couple of games that are truly, truly off the table for you. Not to, and I, and, and not to talk exactly unlike Clark, who's going to say that every game is on the table for you as well. He should, you know, Georgia is, George is what George is right now. It's kind and, of the inevitable. And um and unfortunately the way stylistically Tennessee plays, it's just, you know, you gotta have a lot of speed in the back end. And I think we're developing our depth uh as we go along right now. And you gotta you gotta be able to keep up with the wide receivers and, and find some find some pressure. The Tennessee game is gonna be tough in Knoxville. Um, not to say that, you know, something strange couldn't happen. Um uh, but those stylistically, those games make you uncomfortable. But the rest of them are all gettable. Old Miss, Auburn, South Carolina, all gettable. Florida, Missouri, Kentucky, all gettable. Not saying we're going to get any one of those or all of them or whatever. But if you can go 4-0 in non-conference play, yeah. I mean, the, the, the only one that makes me deeply uncomfortable saying is is the Tennessee game. Because I, I, I don't care. Whatever the matchups are, I'd like us to go out there and knock him off rocky top uh that would be great <laughs> be really really good i would take that 100 times out of 100 i just you know stylistically i know where our program is building and where their program has some strengths and it's just, it's just a tough matchup uh we'd have to grind the heck out of that ball game um so we'll see but you know the rest of the sec I, again i i think if we play up to our capabilities we can really challenge a lot of the teams in the conference this year so we'll see yeah, I'm really excited for this uh, football season, both NFL and college-wise. I mean, getting to see how Vanderbilt's going to perform, to see how Tennessee bounces back after that great year, to see how see how South Carolina performs after a fantastic ending to their season, and then even on the NFL side, I'm really excited to see how the Titans play. I just I'm I I think it's the first time I'm actually this excited for football season, both on the collegiate and the NFL level, and I'm always really excited, but it's just from an outside perspective, just kind of looking and see how, seeing how uh, so many programs, so many teams are kind of rebuilding and how they're going to perform, especially here in Nashville. I'm really excited for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. There's a lot of storylines out there. Oh yeah. So before we finish up, uh, we got one last series of the season for Vandy boys. Um, Arkansas continues to be the, one of the best programs in the country. And then uh, they head to Hoover, Alabama. 
what are we looking at this weekend uh, as Vanderbilt hosts Arkansas to end the season? I think Arkansas is ranked number two. Uh, we dropped back to number 12. Yeah. Um, they're really good. Um, you know, they've, they've had some injuries, as I understand it, um, but, they, but they have enough pieces where they've been able to go out there and challenge and get wins. Uh, I think they took two out of three versus South Carolina this past weekend. They took all three games from Tennessee at home. Uh, their one slip up was on the road. They lost two out of three versus Georgia. Um, but otherwise they've been, they've been as, they're not as flashy as Florida. They don't have a Wyatt Langford who could go third overall in the draft. They don't have Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, who could go one, two, uh, but they, boy, do they have some really good players. So um, they've been really consistent and steady. Like it feels like a, a weekend in which, they're not going to give you much. If you're going to win this series, you're going to have to go take it, um, which this team is more than capable of doing, especially the way that it has played here at home. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, we'll have to see how our pitcher's health develops over the next couple of days. Um, you know, obviously Carter Holton and, and Hunter Owen have kind of been the, the two that we've been missing. Um, I know that there's, you know, optimism that, at least one or two of those guys will get back for us. Um, so we'll, we shall see, but it's going to be, it's going to be a real fight. And I, I do think this team probably needs to take two out of three uh, to get itself back into top eight contention. Otherwise you're probably going to need to go to Hoover and maybe make it to the championship game or play, uh, win it. I don't, I don't know, but top eight obviously means a lot to be able to host two rounds of postseason play. Um, so I, I would, I would certainly expect them to come out, aggressive i mean we came out really aggressive against um i think we played kentucky the week or south carolina no it was kentucky the week after we lost to tennessee and we played well that weekend we were aggressive and you know we had to fight and scrap and we picked up a walk off on sunday um i would expect all of those intangibles to be there this weekend and let's just say they they pick up just one win this weekend what's hoover gonna look like What's their situation going to be there in Hoover? Uh, I, I I don't have the math exactly in front of me, but I think I think as long as we get one, we're a top four uh, in the bracket, which automatically puts you into double elimination and keeps you off of Tuesday, um, which is probably a good thing, again, for this team that that needs some opportunities to um, grab a couple of wins to to say, you know, the the trips to Alabama and and Florida were less of who we are and this is more of who we are. So we might need those chances. Um you know, I what's interesting is like if you flipped the schedule everyone would say that Vanderbilt baseball is one of the hottest teams in the country and you don't want to play the Vandy boys. But we happen to play Florida and Arkansas and an Alabama team coming off one of the strangest situations possible at the end of the season. Yeah. So all, all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, they're in a tailspin." Well, not really. Uh it's just, you know, we we hit a bump, uh, a significant bump, like getting swept on the road is a bump. Uh, but, you know, we hit it at the back end where everyone can like pick and scratch at your resume all of a sudden. Um, so we'll we'll see. But I think, you know, take care of business versus middle tonight, um, provided the weather holds off uh, and then see what you can do against the Razorbacks. We took two out of three in Fayetteville last year. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this has been awesome. I love talking about baseball. Love talking uh, SEC baseball, and um, it's been really awesome to see what Vanderbilt's been able to do between the Vandy United program and just um, 
all the other teams seeing uh, the base, uh, ba- uh, men's ba- basketball, even women's basketball, and just it's been so much fun to see Vanderbilt as a non-Vanderbilt fan just from the outside yeah. to see how they've grown. And uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you, you're super busy traveling everywhere. Then Vandy back-to-back yeah. series on the road. Well, let's let's get a top eight national seed, and that way I can stay home for a couple of weeks. Awesome. Once again, uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, be sure, any everyone who's listening, give Andrew a follow. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's just A Allegretta, A A L L E G R E T T A. Very, very findable on Vanderbilt's website. Yes, please, everyone, go follow Andrew, the voice of Vandy Boys, the voice of Vanderbilt football. Um, exciting stuff happening. Uh, always at Vanderbilt these last couple of years and these last few months, it feels like. So once again, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. You're very welcome. We'll talk soon. And that's the interview guys. I, I really hope you enjoyed listening to it. I had a fantastic time uh, speaking with Andrew. Uh, I'd like to thank him again for coming on and taking the time to speak with me. He's a super busy man. Always got something going on. He's always killing it. Uh, He's been such a great friend to me and the sports credential here and our growth. So, yeah, thank you so much again, Andrew, for hopping on the podcast and taking some time. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, it Like I said in the the interview, there's always something going on in Vandy these last couple months, really. Um, And all the teams are growing. All the teams are getting bigger. All the teams are getting better. So it's really fun to see how they're uh, growing and getting better. And it's always great to see uh, people within their athletic department getting the credit they deserve uh, and just continuing to be part of this great kind of growth and expansion. Uh, Andrew's one of the good guys. There's a ton of good guys there at Vanderbilt in their athletic department. They're all awesome. Um, So before we leave you guys, I just want to give you uh, my games of the week to look forward to. Obviously we talked about it during the interview, uh, Vandy, Arkansas at the Hawk this weekend. If you can get your hands on tickets, I would recommend going to it. It's going to be a not definitely not do or die. Definitely not do or die. But, you know, picking up a win would be huge for them against uh, one of the best teams, arguably the best team in all of college baseball. And if they could pick up two wins and win the series, that would be massive momentum going into the SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama. So that is definitely one of my games or games to watch. Also, this Saturday... Uh, Nashville FC is heading to Charlotte to take on Charlotte FC. Uh, big rivalry match. Nashville has Inter Miami tonight, so that game will be over by the time a couple of you may listen to this podcast. It's first time Nashville's playing Inter Miami, so that'll be a fun one to watch. But this weekend, Nashville at Charlotte. Charlotte's had a kind of a okay start to the season thus far. They're sitting with 15 points, just four wins, three draws, and five losses. So this could be a, a big moment for Nashville to kind of hit a team while they're down. So it's it's um going to be a fun one, and it could be a big one, depending on, you know, it's, we're still early, early on in the season in MLS, but a couple moves here and there could make or break a team going into the heart of this summer season as things get hot and things get, you know, difficult, and the season kind of drags on, and teams are trying to find their groove and get out of losing streaks and all that stuff. So... Fun one, really exciting one, uh, and definitely one of my top games of the week and the weekend. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I enjoyed doing it. 
please follow Sports Credential on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll keep you covered with everything and anything Nashville news, uh, Nashville sports news. Please subscribe to the Sports Credential podcast. The more you guys subscribe, the longer we could get to get a chance to do this. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. You subscribe to us. We'll pop, a new episode will pop in every week. You don't have to go looking for us every week. Subscribe, and we'll be right there waiting for you. Once again, I'm Stephen Boero. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. <laughs>